3: Money-Making Conversations. Here we
4: go. Welcome to Money-Making Conversations. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I tell everybody every week, is my mantra, to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. I also tell people about their passion, to leave with their gifts, and don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. On my show, I interview for consumers as well as business owners, access and give them access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and what I like to call industry decision makers. I ask them advice on giving us secrets to their success. My next guest is Dr. Simone Whitmore. She's a board-certified OBGYN and star on Bravo's Married to Medicine. Returning for his eighth season with we guests, well, some of the co-stars are stars, uh, Dr. Jacqueline, uh, of course, uh, miss Dr. Whitmore, Dr. Heavenly, who's a dentist, uh, Dr. Tessa, who's in, in occupational medicine, Toya, who's Well, I told you, they're married to a doctor and friends of the (laughs) cast like Lisa (laughs) Nicole, Quad Webb, and Carrie Wells. New cast member this season, Anila, a soul on the pilot, first year. She's a fashion blogger, but she's married to a doctor. Dr. Simone Whitmore is on my show to talk about COVID-19, civil unrest, that's airing on the season that she's experienced personally as well. And the upcoming season of Married, which is the H.C., the Married to Medicine. And the realities of being a real doctor on a reality show. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation for the very first time, and I'm happy to have her on the show, Dr. Simone Whitmore. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent,
5: and thank you so much for having me.
4: First of all, thank you for coming on the show. And, um, you know, the, the reality shows at one time were considered, I thought it would be a fad, thought they wouldn't last, and at one time they were really out of control. They were physically out of control, and a lot of lot of noise, lot of cussing, a lot of fussing, a lot of drink throwing. And you decided that at being a certified doctor into this realm, what, what drove you or what was the motivation behind being a part of Married to Medicine?
5: The reason I was willing to film reality TV is because I felt that. Little black girls in America needed to see somebody that didn't come from money. I came from an alcoholic dad, a Mm -hmm. single mom, Mm -hmm. and I know how to have a good time Mm -hmm. and live my life without the white coat. Mm -hmm. And I wanted little brown girls in America to see that if I did it, she can do it too.
4: Well, you know, you are doing that. It's in this eighth season, and it's all about branding, too, and always about what people think of you and what people... This is not a negative interview. These are just basic questions and that are good, that I'm just probing and just trying to get your story out because I think it's a really great story. I've watched yeah. the show off and on over the years, and my background is casting and producing, so I'm very familiar with your talents, and a lot of your cast members. Quad Webb has been on my show several times. I'm a big fan of hers. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. but when when you're, when you're a practicing doctor like you are, and you're on a reality show, does it and you have a, a, a practice? Does it ever become an issue with the people that you are, that you are, that are your patients?
5: So most of my patients who've been with me for years, they know who I am. Mm-hmm. I may say a little mild cuss word mm-hmm. in the office, trying to be funny, mm-hmm. and my patients understand me. When I came to reality TV. I came as my authentic self, no more, no less, just my authentic self.
4: And what is your authentic self? I'm just asking. Mm-hmm.
5: I love medicine. I love OBGYN, mm-hmm. but I also like to have a good time, hang out, mm-hmm. shop, have a cocktail after <laughs> hours. Yes,
4: ma'am.
5: And I love to laugh.
4: Well, you know, I think you're I think in hearing what you're saying, you want to break the stereotype or if there is a stereotype, you want to say this is me. And it's all right to be me with no with no, um, I guess, you know, standards or because or, or, some people kind of put people on pedestals. And I think that's what you're saying that please look at me. I'm Dr. Simone Whitmore. I am I am board certified. I am successful. I'm happily married. I have a son about to go to college. He's living a good life and, and I live in a beautiful home. Why can't I be me? Why can't I be, why can't I dress this way in this fashion, fashion savvy? Why can't I eat this way? Why can't I laugh out loud in public? So in your sense, you're feeling that there are certain standards that people hold doctors to that should be pulled down or accepted that it's all right to be a human being.
5: Not to say that any standard that we have or the way we see our doctors should be pulled down. Yes, ma'am. But they should be humanized. Yes, ma'am. We are human first. And mm. I have that doctor before my name now. Mm-hmm. I have that MD after my name, but it's not on my birth certificate. It does not define who I am. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a sister. I'm a girlfriend. And again... Life is about being well-rounded. My dad always taught me that.
4: Be well-rounded. Well, you know, the thing, I I got that impression of you. Uh, and the first episode of the eighth season, which I did get a chance to see, because I wanted to make sure I was caught up to speed on you know, where the characters were being developed. And first of the first, basically, the first episode is your episode. Like I said, you joked off air. just said, you know, you start, why not? And so it ended with you and you and. You uh,
5: watching my show. Come on, I'm just oh, mad at
4: you. you. You and Jackie still got issues, heavily got issues, you know, your son about to go off to college. But I thought there was a real tender moment in there with your conversation with your son about racism, you know, because that's a reality that, you know, I have a daughter, she's, uh, you know, she's in college and, but even having a young African-American male, that has to be even more stressful knowing he's going to an environment that may have seeds of racism. Talk about that. And we're just talking about parenting. That's me and I. We're both parents, but you had a conversation (laughs) with your son. How do you feel? And, you know, lights aren't on and, and lights. I felt that was a real conversation you was having with him, but there still has to be some hesitation about him walking out that door and and because you want him to come home, you want him to, when he, when you call that phone, you want him to answer. You want him to be there when he's happy. You want to be there when he's sad. But you don't want him to be there when somebody's doing him wrong because you didn't put eighteen years of your life into him or bring him into this world for ignorance to step into, you know, shortening his life or causing difficulty in his life.
5: We've always taught our sons to respect authority, to not run your mouth not to talk back when uh, a police or a teacher or any adult is talking to you. But one of the most important things we try to teach our sons, do not have an encounter with the police. Mm -hmm. So it means abiding by the law, not speeding when you are driving down the highway. And we had always thought if we taught our boys, be respectful, follow the rules, that they would always come home. And George Floyd, that video last year, showed us that you don't have to be doing anything illegal. You don't have to be running. You don't have to be talking back. And you could still lose your life based on someone else's perception of what they think a black
4: man is and that's you know being a black man and i think the and you and, and, and at the end of the premiere episode of the eighth season they do the fellas get around talking about you know um being pulled over being a black man in america the reality is that you are raising a young black man in america uh, and he's going to a school tell us about the school that he's going to you know not in the environment and how What makes you feel comfortable about him going because he has to feel comfortable because he's going. Okay. But what also is making you feel uncomfortable about the environment that he's going to.
5: So the school is Lee university in Cleveland, Tennessee, Cleveland, Tennessee is a small town in Tennessee. That's near Chattanooga, but I just remember that during the pandemic, the school was closed. We drove up to Cleveland, Tennessee, just to drive around the campus to see what it was like, since he didn't get the traditional tour with school open. And I just remember, as we're driving through this small town of Cleveland, seeing all of the Confederate flags. Wow. So when I saw those, of course, I became concerned. Downtown Cleveland has a Confederate monument, which is walking distance from the school. And it's a small school, majority white. It's a Christian school. And the reason we were willing to take the chance for him to go to Lee University, number one, you just hope, you really hope that people who are claiming to be Christians
4: are Christians.
5: Somehow that God is touching their minds, their souls, mm-hmm. their bodies to really live a Christian life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there were some other basketball players whom he had spoken with over the summer who had not had any racial encounters and were not having any difficult time on campus is the reason we decided that it would be okay for him to attend Lee University. You
4: know, the interesting thing about it is that this is part of... Married to Medicine. This is a part of the lessons, uh, life lessons that are relatable to it because that, that storyline was relatable to me. My daughter mm-hmm. was a, you know, uh, um, a tennis phenom at 16. And so she was going mm-hmm. out there playing. Then she blew out her knee at 19 and now she's in college. And I'm very happy for her. But mm-hmm. the reality yeah. is that where can you send your son that he won't experience racism indirectly or directly? You feel me? So, so you, you're basically, and you and your husband are basically saying, yes, we're uncomfortable, but this is life. You know, we hope we've raised him. And I'm not putting any words in your mouth. I'm just talking like a parent that hopefully we raised him with the values. Like you told him, you know, if it's a 35 drive, 35 son. Okay, you know, avoid ignorance. If a cop pulls you over, ten two on the steering wheel, say yes sir, no sir. Tell you to get out the car, get out the car. Don't be playing loud music unnecessarily. So these are the rules that we live by because of the color of our skin. And like you said, all of America, all of America, because was involved in was in the uproar including white people when they finally saw it and that's I think that we all were happy finally when you saw that on top of COVID because you are a legitimate doctor how did that affect your practice and also your daily life when COVID came on top of it reality because we all thought COVID was going to be a couple of months and we return
5: to normal it's not right right Working in the medical field during a pandemic has been an interesting thing, you know, continually. I don't work in fear at all, but just trying to make sure that I stayed up to date and educated on this virus because it felt like it was changing. Things were changing in the medical field week by week early on and just making sure that I updated my patients and encouraged them to stay safe. You know, I have pregnant patients during this time, and I don't want to see them sick. And sometimes the young people are a little harder to convince that the virus is real and deadly.
4: Well, you know. Isn't it when we all immortal when we're that age? You know, we get sick, right. we get up. You know, I, I used to tell friends, you know, I, I used to get a flu. I go play a game of basketball and they say, sweat it out of me. And so
2: <laughs> right. I, I
4: try to sweat it out of me now. I'll be, be laying on the court, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> right.
6: right.
2: You know,
4: but the, the beauty of this show is that you have friends, you know, one of your friends. And this was one of the lead storylines of the opening season was your friendship with Jackie. 23 years in. And I'm just to let you know that in the in the opening episode, Jackie was constantly talking about getting back with you, talking about I just want to reconcile. And then they showed you constantly never saying that. They constantly right. said, "Well, you know, I I don't know what it is, what it is." And, you know, and as a producer and an editor, I know they can play characters to develop storylines. And so this is a person you've known for 23 years. She's an original member of the show along with yourself. Where do you go when you see these storylines being developed? And we're going to get to Heavenly in a minute. But I want to talk about the friendship of Jackie and Simone. Mm-hmm.
5: So I, again, I come to reality TV as my authentic self. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to fake a friendship. I am not going to pretend to make up unless my heart is really in right. it. Right. And Jackie and I have known each other a very long time. And of all the casts on this show, she knows me the best. Uh, I know her the best. Right. And I did not want to make up for TV's sake. I just wasn't interested. Either we were going to have a genuine sit down conversation or not. But I didn't want to make up just for TV's sake. I
4: knew I'm just asking now. I don't know. I'm just asking. So what is makeup for TV's sake versus having a genuine sit down? Would it be on camera or would it be off camera between you and Jackie?
5: Um, it could be either one, quite frankly, because again, I'm going to express my real thoughts and opinions, and it doesn't matter whether a camera is rolling or not. Right. When you stay true to who you are, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether a camera is present or not.
4: Well, you've shown that now. You've shown that now. Heavenly, how is Heavenly, who's a dentist? You know, y'all y'all joke about that a lot throughout the seasons, so though. When you said Doctor Dennis, even Anila came in cracking jokes. How's she gonna crack jokes? She's a blogger, okay? Gonna crack jokes on the dentist. Um, so, how does she get in between the two of you guys? Did I miss that episode or
5: something? Well, so in actual. In actuality, I don't think that Heavenly came between me and Jackie. And that is how I felt last year. But in the pandemic, I spent more time at home. I was able to think about things and get my feelings in check, if you will. And basically, I mean, Heavenly and I have gone back and forth, back and forth, getting along, not getting along over the years since she started the show on season two as a matter of fact she hated me and Jackie when she started we hated her the feeling was mutual but over the years we had all grown to become close friends but Heavenly and I would get into it would talk for a couple of months on and off camera and Jackie always gave me her thoughts and opinions she would tell me I think you shouldn't even be taking this stuff heavily saying too serious. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be doing this mm-hmm. or you should be doing that. Mm-hmm. And she always talked to both of us. This time, my friend of 23 years
2: <laughs> yes, decided yes. she
5: didn't have any words on it because I guess she didn't want to hurt my feelings. But she knows me. She had never bitten her tongue before. Right. And you know that expression, cat got your tongue? hmm I'll just leave you with the cash.
4: Well, you know, when y'all did have a sit-down, where she said that we she did. was going to be... It was on camera, that she didn't want to make a decision. She wanted to make a... And, I, and you took that very personal. And so I see now... You know, Dr. Heavenly, who is a dentist, by the way, is uh <laughs> is uh is reveling in this breakup. I think she's reveling in driving a wedge between the relationship. And personally I think she likes it. and I personally, I don't think Jackie sees that. Am I correct in assuming that? I think Jackie is naive or she's or she has developed a wall of stubbornness I, to,
3: say,
4: uh, to say that I, she's not gonna be bothered.
5: So I don't think, I definitely think Jackie is aware of what Heavenly is doing, but Heavenly is also Jackie's bulldog. Right. And so maybe that is just a strategy that you'd rather have this bulldog who defends you, even on the days you're wrong, she's still defending you.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: Well, the interesting thing about my show is called Money Making Conversation. You are an entrepreneur, a small business owner. (laughs) Let's talk about that whole process of dealing with... uh, because people want to hear my show about advice, what would you give? And you know, starting to practice, how would yes. you hire people? I always tell people you got to have a great HR person when you you got to have a great accountant. That's my early notes to anybody starting to start, especially an accountant. Don't be sitting over there talking, trying to do books by yourself and you've never done books before. So as a, I as, a that. as a as an entrepreneur who start up, because you represent you know the fastest growing population in entrepreneurship are African American females, and you are an African American female, you are a star, you are a brand. Talk about being a small business owner, just when you started, but also now doing Mm COVID-19.
5: What I would talk, what I would recommend for anybody who is starting a business, do as much research as you possibly can before you start your business. Know the industry you're going into. Know some of the pitfalls of the industry you're going into. And for me, I was already practicing medicine before I opened up a business, you can't even imagine how hard it's going to be until you actually open those doors. Right. But I do agree with you that you have to have an accountant who gives you advice regularly. And what I like to say is count all your pennies. Look (laughs) for your pennies. Figure out ways when you're buying supplies that you could save money. Mm -hmm. Because you may be only buying from this supplier. Mm -hmm. But then somebody over here has it cheaper. Learn how to build relationships so that when you need help, you can get help. You need a banking relationship. That relationship with an accountant. You need relationships with people in the industry who are doing the exact same thing you're doing just to get advice on the pitfalls. When they actually happen, how to get out of those pitfalls. And just know that no matter what happens, you can always depend on yourself in business for yourself.
4: There you go. Now, one one, one closing question is about. You didn't plan on, because we talked about budget. You say, always count your pennies, know where every penny is. We did yeah. not think, and I'm saying, I'm a business owner, I did not see masks in my budget. I didn't see uh, hand sanitizers in my budget. I didn't see working from home in my budget. And uh, telemedicine, I'm sure, well, picked up strongly in your business. But like I say, you're dealing with. With, you know, OBGYN profession. So telemedicine, almost like, what is that? So how did that affect your business model and also your employees? How did you work through that? Like I was able to do teleconferencing because I'm just dealing with graphics and I'm a production company, but you're in medicine. How did you deal with that? And how did your patients deal with that?
5: So definitely... Finding PPE to purchase and purchasing PPE was an additional expense. But what I tell any, anybody who's in business for themselves, always save for a rainy day. Because if you have savings when you run into these additional expenses, it just shouldn't be that big of a deal. So you either have the savings or you have a credit line with the bank available to help you in a, in a financial need. But with staff, I tried to stay calm and try to reassure them. For me, with pregnant patients, I was not able to do all of the visits using telemedicine. Surely we did some, but not all. And what I did was we continued to come to the office, we shortened the office hours, and I continued to make payroll for the full 40 hours a week. But again just looking for resources out there. Right. There were a ton of resources available to small businesses. I applied for the PPP loan. My big bank didn't give it to me, so I went to my small bank. And again, I have two banks. I have the big bank, I have the small bank. Nobody told me to do it that way. That is just one of those life lessons that I learned early on in practice, and I've been in solo practice since 2004. So you learn things, and there are always going to be hiccups and speed bumps. You just have to learn something from every speed bump in the road.
4: Well, you know, I got to close on that. I said it was my last question, but I had to bring this up because my wife, is important in my life, you know, when those speed bumps what you're talking about, those speed bumps, you got to turn to somebody for some truth and sometimes for some advice. Sometimes that truth is not what you want to hear, but it also comes with good advice because you know that person's going to be honest with you. So I'm leaving my question to your husband, who plays an amazing, supportive role. I'm going to just tell you, doctor, I'm a, I'm a fan of yours. I've always been a fan of yours. And when you had that conversation with your son, uh, when he was shooting that basketball, I was over the roof with you because that was he pure... Felt- that was pure honesty to me, you know, because it was relatable to me, and uh, and it and it and it and it was a seed that bore out of your husband being there, because African American young men need that male, that male look, how to treat women, look how what you do in all these different situations. So talk about your strong support group, you know, my man. Talk about them right quick before we close it out. <laughs>
5: <laughs> so Cecil and I have been married for 25 years and he has definitely been a great sounding board when I've asked him about business advice and he loves to do research. But as any marriage goes, we have certainly had our struggles. Our marriage actually came to the brink of the brink of a divorce which I shared on reality TV. And I was so thankful for this reality TV family who helped us to realize that we were being stubborn. We had stopped listening to one another and we were able not only to reconcile, but to make some differences in our marriage so that we could keep on going and and not just keep going, but keep going strong.
4: Well, my friend. Thank you for coming on Money Making Conversations. I just want to really lay it on the line because I know you do a lot of interviews and and I try not to be fake when I bring people. I try to do my research. I try to acknowledge the fact and I try to give good questions and allow you to move the conversation forward. But more importantly, I only want people on my show that I want to talk to. So, <laughs> and I definitely want to for
5: having me. Yeah, I
4: want to thank you for taking the time to come on Money Making Conversation. And good luck. You are the star of Married <laughs> to Medicine, okay? Tell everybody, Rashawn said that, okay? I said it, girlfriend. Right. <laughs> Don't tell
5: <laughs> quiet.
6: All right. We will be right back with more money-making conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. It's finally here, the season of celebration. And no matter how you celebrate with family and friends. And in the spirit of giving, Kohl's Cares is donating $8 million to local nonprofits nationwide committed to the health and well-being of our communities. No matter how you celebrate, when you shop at Kohl's, you're right where you belong. So this season, give with all your heart with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com.
5: If I could be you, and you could be me, for just one hour,
2: if you could find a way
5: to get inside each other's mind. Walk a mile
0: in my shoes.
4: Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk Walk a mile mile in my my shoes.
0: shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the
2: Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them.
4: Hi, I am Rashawn McDonald, host of MoneyMakingConversation.com. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. They can be civic leaders, people in business, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award honoree this week is Jermaine Dupree. His age of 17 did not limit his dreams. Now, a multi-Grammy award-winning producer, Jermaine Dupree, with over 400 million records sold to date, is a member of the Songwriters Hall of Fame and is one of the most successful producers in the music industry today.
3: I had to go through so much as a younger person to get older people to even have a conversation with me. So therefore, I listen to younger people because they have amazing ideas. But the execution of them ideas, when you're young, you don't know how to do it. I had TLC and Crisscross at the same time. But I was too young to know what to do with both of them at the same time.
4: The Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive, and who is genuine in their spirit.
5: Welcome back to Money-Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald.
4: My next guest I've known for a very long time, Dr. Ian Smith. He's the first, let me give you a history on his books here. First, uh, New York Times bestselling author of Clean and Lean. The Clean 20, Shred, Super Shred, the Shred Power Cleanse, and the Blast the Sugar Out, which I recommended for my mama. And uh, she used it dearly until she passed away. And is the host of the syndicated television show, The Doctors. He has created two national health initiatives. I was involved in the first one, the 50 Million million pound Challenge with Steve Harvey and State Farm, and the Makeover Mile. So I got great history with Dr. Ian Smith and served two terms on the President's Council on Fitness, Sports, and Nutrition. Dr. Ian Smith is here to talk about his newest book, Fast Burn, The Power of Negative Energy Balance. This marks his 20th book. Fast Burn was released on April 13th. Check this out. And immediately his numerous bestsellers hit list grew. The book debated at number nine on the New York Times bestseller list, at number 19 on USA Today bestseller list, and number nine on Publisher Weekly bestseller list. Please welcome back again a dear friend, an inspiration, and, uh, and a tr- real doctor, by the way, Dr. <laughs> to Money Making <laughs> Conversation, Dr. Ian Smith. How you doing, my brother? Hey, Rashawn, I'm great. Great to join you. How you feeling? Feeling good, man. Uh, you, you're still looking trim. You're still looking good. You know, <laughs> you know. I, I, I guess I've been seeing you all the way back to Jenny Jones days, right? Yeah,
0: it's been a long time. And I, you know, I was saying to you before we started the broadcast that, you know, I'm getting old like everybody else. However, I'm in the fight. I think that in life and a fight in a good way, not a negative way. But, mm-hmm. you know, you can't just resign yourself to things just happening. You have to say, I'm going to be convicted and determined um, to make a way out of no way. And so what I try to do all the time is, and I'm not always successful, but I try every day to be a better me. And when it comes to the physical aspect, you know, I work out, lift a lot of weights. Mm -hmm. I try to eat better. I'm not perfect in my eating, but I try to eat better. Uh, And I think that if people follow just that basic kind of idea that I'm going to be better in my physical movement,
4: better in my nutritional intake, I think people be happier, look better and feel better. Well, the thing about our relationship is that, you know, I got bad eating habits, and so, and people always say, "Man, but you don't look like you eat habits." Because I read his books, you know. I, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I want them good and bad customers. You know, when I, when, it, when it gets bad, Doc, I go to your book. When it's when it's good, I get off your book. You know what I'm saying? But uh, but it, it allows me a, a system of uh, uh, of direction. And I think that's what we're trying to talk about here, because so many people out there have health health issues, they have weight issues, because they don't have direction. And also direction that's, uh I think it's tied to common sense. And that's what I've always felt, that your books are tied to common sense, correct?
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting you say that, because so many people will say to me, well, are on Instagram or, or Facebook, well, Dr. Ian, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm doing this. But the problem is, it's not that people don't often know what to do or how to do it. It's that they don't have structure, right? You got to have structure. You just can't say, I'm going to eat better. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. I'm going to exercise better. What does that mean? And so I tell people all the time, yeah, well, you know, yeah, what you're doing, what it sounds like, it sounds good, but it's not working. Well, because we need structures in our, in our life. And with fast burn, the structure is very simple. It's nine weeks. Um, it's based on affordable, regular, accessible food. You don't have to go to five different grocery stores to buy it, but it's realistic. That's the key, Mm Rashaan. A plan is not going to work for people Mm -hmm. if it's not sustainable Mm -hmm. and realistic. And so I Mm -hmm. wrote this plan from the standpoint of the user. What do I mean by that? I mean, I asked 2000 people in my Facebook group to try out the original draft of the plan Mm -hmm. and they gave me their feedback, what they liked, what they didn't like, what worked, what didn't work. Uh, the average weight loss was 15 to 17 pounds in nine weeks. And as much as I helped them, they helped me Mm -hmm. because I realized there's certain ways to make it easier. So for example, things that people typically complain about in a program, I took care of. You can have alcohol on the program. There's pasta, there's bread, there's steak, there's pizza. Mm -hmm. I mean, all these things uh, that programs say you cannot have, I said, you can still have it, but let's do it in a way where we have it in a healthier manner but equally tasty, right? You can't go healthy and still not be tasty. And so I try to do both and fast, and fast burn.
4: And I think that's why people like it. Well, it's, it's going to be proved to be my favorite now because, you know, I, as I stated earlier, I am not the best patient. You know, if if Dr. Ian Smith was my, was my doctor officially, he'd be saying, Rashawn, come on now, stop. <laughs> you, you, you really, really, you really tripping now. But in your book, you, you allow me to, Like the eating proportion, which is really always the key too, and when you eat is the key as well. And like I said, it's also knowing your body, because you talk a little bit about that. Because a lot of people don't listen to their body. They don't listen to their body when you're telling you, you know. Because that's why I always hear these stories about people talk about, oh, you look so healthy. Well. I bet you if you went to a doctor, the doctor may have told them he had high blood pressure or high cholesterol level. Talk about that whole process, because your book is, like I said, it's a true guide. But there are steps that they have to take to go along with your book to be successful.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think that um, what people have to understand is that these books are blueprints. Yes. Books are not the Bible. Mm -hmm. This book says this is a guide for you. And the reason why people really like fast burn is because it's so customizable. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about it, you know, no one wants to be dictated to what they have to eat every day, mm-hmm. but they do want to have options. So there are options in the book every day, uh, every meal that has options to it. So mm-hmm. you're a vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, mm-hmm. carnivore, it doesn't matter. You can make it work for you. Mm-hmm. So you have, you have lots of options. Then the other part of it is some people say, well, you know, I don't want to go to a gym. I don't like to go to a gym. Right. I say, no problem. Chapter 13, these are all at-home exercises you can do without a gym membership, without the need for machines, 30 minutes, 40, four or five days a week. And you know what? You can break it up 15 minutes in the morning, 15 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So I think that people really are looking for plans that are allowing them not just to diet, Rashaan, for the short term, but to make lifestyle changes. Right. That's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in you making a lifestyle change that you can live with. And so do I want you to be perfect? No. Do I expect you to be perfect? Absolutely not. But let me give you an example. If you know you're going out to dinner and you know you're going to a place that doesn't have the healthiest of foods, I want you in your mind to say, you know what? Tonight we're eating at so-and-so restaurant where it's not a lot of great choices. So for breakfast and lunch, I'm gonna be really good. I'm gonna really make sure that I make smart decisions. So when dinner time comes and I have whatever I'm gonna have, (laughs) I don't feel guilty, number one. And number two, it's not going to really hurt me because I ate so well earlier in the day. That, to me, is the better way to live life. You don't want to always be on a restricted, you know, heavily specified program. I want you to do a fast burn for nine weeks. Then I want you to put it on the shelf and say, okay, now I am prepared
4: in all the situations that come at me, to make better decisions. Well, the better decision part comes into um, what we we're talking about. Your career has always been tied to. I'm not going to leave, I'm going to leave the book a little bit because your role as host of the doctors, which was uh, groundbreaking to me. Also, it was groundbreaking because it happened during COVID and you are a real doctor. It, it affected African-Americans uh, overtly, people of color overtly. And so with that being said, your role, as as happy as we were, because you, you came on my show, we talked about what you were going to do. But we all we all thought that COVID would kind of like come and go. And now we see it's not going to go at all. It's kind of like going to be like the flu. We're going to have seasonal uh, COVID-19 shots. Let, we'll talk two questions. First question is, coming into perspective, your role and what you had to play as the host of the doctors and COVID-19, and then the long term would be my second of us living with COVID.
0: Yeah. um, Two great questions. So the reason why I agreed to host the show this year was because if you think back uh, before this year, there was a lot of misinformation, a lot of, you know, uncredible, discredible information uh, that was being disseminated from the White House on down. Yes. And I felt like the country was confused and that doctors and scientists were not leading the conversation. If you're in a health crisis, the doctors and scientists need to lead the discussion. If you're in a financial crisis, the economists need to lead right. the discussion. Right. I mean, this is just how it works. And so I felt like we had spent a year spinning our wheels, listening to all kinds of nonsense. And so this, to me personally, was a great opportunity to be on a big show with a big flat platform to bring in experts to talk about the issues. And I also want to bring in diverse experts. Yes. Because experts come and all shapes and sizes and all colors and backgrounds. So I wanted to bring people from all walks of life and all experts from all different voices to come in on the show. So that to me personally was very important. And I think we did a great job of being able to communicate to the rest of the country, all things related to COVID, whether it was vaccines, treatment, people who are long haulers, uh, how do you raise kids during COVID? How do you date during COVID? All these topics were, were important. And I think that when I look back at my career, this will have been a very important year because I had uh, some small say in shaping the conversation around COVID and and dealing with COVID and also trying to get people on air to talk about it in a credible way. Now, when you look at the long term of COVID, however, uh, we're at at a very critical point here because people who have not gotten the vaccine, a lot of them don't want to get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And we need to still reach what's called herd immunity. Mm -hmm. which basically says that enough people have either gotten vaccinated or been infected, that the vast majority of the population is immune to getting sick and infected again. Herd immunity. Now, there are two ways to get to herd immunity. You can get there by vaccinating everybody. That's the fastest way to do it. That's the less costly way to do it as far as life. If you vaccinate everybody, we save lives, we get herd immunity. But Some people won't take the vaccine. So what does that mean? We can still reach herd immunity, but what that means is the people who do not want to take the vaccine eventually will get infected because the virus is like the cold virus. It's just going to stay Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And so those who don't... So imagine 100 people. Mm -hmm. Imagine 80 people get the vaccine. That means those 80 people are protected. Now you got 20 people. Okay, these 20 people who do not want the vaccine, the virus is going to circulate within them. Wow. And then... Once you get infected, then you will have some type of immunity. That's what happens, right? They'll get infected. If they survive, they will have some immunity. We don't know how long that immunity lasts. We don't know how, long, how good it is, but they will have some immunity. But what about the people who get it and will die from it? So you're going to reach herd immunity one way or the other. I just think we should do it without losing
4: a lot more loss of life. Well, we are losing lives. And uh, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I never took the flu vaccine. I have been. I've talked about uh, Pfizer. Took both of my vaccination shots at the time of the man. I feel comfortable. It kind of gave me my life back. I'm not gonna to lie to you, Doctor. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was. It was a high degree. I was paranoid. I'm not gonna to lie to you. Well, first, when it first hit, I didn't know how to go out to the store, let alone up, put gas in my car. What do I touch? <laughs> what do I don't touch? What, how, how do I do? I touch my steering wheel when I get back in the car. door? I touch the door knob when I open the door? The door when I open my car door. So, <laughs> so when I got vaccinated, I develop a. I still wear my mask when I go out in public. You know, I sit down, I take it off from eating, but I really, I think that I, I really want you to tell my um, my audience about that comfort zone that you would get. And I've said it many times, but I'm gonna just let you know this, man, how important you are. Sometimes, you know, you do suffer on a regular basis, Dr. Ian Smith. There are no other black voices or voices of your color on TV talking to us. I understand that now. You know, there's some great voice. Dr. Fauci great. Dr. Ajah is great. I love him. Gupta, he's great, but he's not you. And so, yeah. and that's important that you understand that because you're just doing your job. You're, you're, you're brilliant at what you do. You're, you're saving lives on a regular basis. And sometimes you don't know that you are saving. You just, some just doing your job like any doctor would do when you go into the hospital. I just feel your hospital is the TV, your hospital is social media, your hospital is a public medium. And so you don't immediately see the results because you're not there checking on us once a week or we're not coming in and check on with you. But your voice as an African American talking to us is so important that. At this point, for me to get you back on my show, not only to promote your incredible book, because you've never failed me with your diet plans. I've used them many times, and I've told you many times when the, the book that I recommend my mother to use your book, Are you used I said, Yes, she's using it right now, okay, and happy. <laughs> and so, what is your role? Am I, am I putting too much on your plate? No, no. You're not. You know, it, it actually, while I am happy on one hand,
0: um to hear you being laudatory and complimentary about what I do and its impact on people, it's also very sad to me. It's sad to me because there are a lot of other undiscovered Dr. Ians out there Mm -hmm. who are gonna be better than me at Mm -hmm. what I do, who are equally educated, equally articulate, equally informative, and equally helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're out there, brothers and sisters. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's lonely being the only. Right. um, And it shouldn't be that way. We need to have more of our young brothers and sisters be given the opportunity not to become Dr. Ian, to be better than Dr. Ian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'll accept that I'm a pioneer in a way, and I. I but my hope is I've paved the way for more. I'm not one of those people who become successful and then don't turn around uh, and and not try to help other people to get through the gates. I want as many of us to get through the gates as possible. And I'm just hoping that in this, in this, this time, this moment, of racial awakening and awareness Mm -hmm. that people will reevaluate all aspects of our society and look at TV and look at the people who we bring on to talk about education and law and politics and medicine and realize we gotta have diverse voices talking. It just can't be the same people all the time. So while I've been very blessed to have my platform and you guys invite me always to be on your platforms, there are a lot of younger brothers and sisters who can do the same thing, and I want them to have a chance. As I said to you before the show started, listen, man, I'm getting older. I've been doing this for <laughs> twenty, almost twenty-five years. Yes, it's time for me to go out and play more golf and be with my family, and I still write books. But, but I want to leave the stage and hand it off to somebody else. Um, but people who are in charge of who gets on the stage need to have the awareness. Um, and the open-mindedness to bring others in. And that's, that's what's important to me, Rashaan, is that other people get a chance to voice. I am not uniquely intelligent. There are other intelligent people who've gone to great schools, who have great information, who can say the same thing, if not say it in a better way than I say it. I want them to have a voice and have an audience. So I'm hoping um, that when people look back on my career, they will say, not how many bestsellers that I have in books, but that they'll say, you know what, Dr. Ian Smith was a pioneer, and he opened the doors for all these people to be able to come on and talk to the world uh, and represent us as African Americans in
4: a respectful, proud, um, and professional manner. Okay, cool. You no, know, as they say, you know, you you said some great things, sir. Thank you. You know, you know, you know. But I got it. I got to I it's Roberto on you. Uh, uh, Those books that you write are important because you're an African-American. And guess what? Books aren't number one because they were bought by black people. So that means that you have you have you have cleared the way as a pioneer for people to respect medical advice, diet advice, life advice from a person that doesn't look like them. That's why you're important. That's why I can't push you aside. As you say, I'm ready to go play golf. Got all that. That's what vacations are for. Okay. We're talking about, we're talking about legacy creates a path. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about when I'm in trouble, I need my voice. You know, when I was growing up, man, before the cheese and all the world, Dr. Welby, M.D., you know, mm-hmm. I was my man, all right? And so these are the things that we grow up on. I'm just saying is that you have become an institution, and I'm just telling you to slow down, Doc, okay? And realize... <laughs> Be appreciative of what I'm saying about you. I know you are. I know me and you go way back, but 25 years is just 25 years. Now, I, now if you come on the show, Richard, come on the show with a pot belly, gray beard, and you're looking, I'm gonna say this might be our last interview with Dr. Ian Smith. Right? He looking pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Can you find his twin brother? Does the twin brother look like that? Or is twin brother looking? We really got problems. But you are not doing that. You're stabilizing yourself. And this is why I say you can't go away, because see now we're battling age. Because, see, what happens is people stop dreaming when they hit a certain age. They start mm. at 50 go, oh, I can't do that. 60, I can't go. See, I know it's 70, 80, 90. You're still going to be Dr. Ian Smith. We might be on book 30 by then. You might be, you, you're going to be on another council. You're still telling us the direction. And the reason I look at you this way, the reason I have to talk to you is this way, and I know you're going to have a comment about this, and that I want it, is that the next battle, where you're at right now, is letting people know age should not define your dream. Am I correct about that? Let me tell
0: you something. Uh, A statement I came up with recently that I'm starting to like, and I say it more and more. Even if you live to be 100, Mm -hmm. life is still short. And by that I mean is that you are never too old uh, to dream, to chase dreams, to form new dreams. Think about it. Life is so short, you should spend the entirety of your life in the pursuit of fun and happiness and your dreams, right. and it's not just about checking things off of a list. By the way, because when I check some off a list, I add something else because that is what keeps me going. You want to, you want to keep going. And so I agree with you that you know, as we age, uh, we tend to think, well, you know, it's a different season of your life. Well, yeah, life is seasons, but that does not mean, Rashawn, that you stop the pursuit, that you stop the dreaming, that you stop looking up at the stars and thinking and wondering. Those things, I
4: think, are the true texture and magic and beauty of our life. Absolutely. Now, the book Fast Burn, let's, let's nine-week it's is a nine week program. The program is broken down into three parts. We're going to talk about ignition, intermission, and acceleration. Now, before we go there, when you say that the power of negative energy balance, what exactly does that mean?
0: Yeah, before I explain that, let me just say uh, to people listening, Uh, Go to my Facebook group. we got 12,000 people doing fast burn together. The Facebook group's name is called Fast Burn Challenge, Mm -hmm. Fast Burn Challenge. And if you're not on Facebook, you can do it uh, through my Instagram, which is at Dr. Ian Smith. Spell the doctor out, I-A-N Smith. Let me explain you the subtitle, The Power of Negative Energy Balance. In life, we want positive energy. That's karmic spiritual energy. This is different. This is food energy. So food, when we say calories in a food, that's measurement of food energy in the food. Food is energy. And so when you eat more calories than you burn off, Rashawn, you end up having what's called positive energy balance. You have more calories than you burned off. The body has to do something with that energy. Energy just doesn't disappear. That's not how Mm -hmm. it works. Mm -hmm. What does the body do with that extra energy? It stores it as fat. Fat is the storage form of energy, okay? Why do bears uh, you know, gouge, uh, 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 sorry, gorge Mm -hmm. on food before uh, winter comes? before hibernation they do that because they're eating 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 and they're getting fatter and fatter and fatter the blubber because they're going to eat that blubber during the winter when their food source is very scarce well same thing with our body our body will take that extra energy and put it as fat now that's positive energy balance what you want to be however is the negative energy balance just the opposite so in fast burn you're still going to have all your meals and all your snacks however the amount of energy you get from them will not be enough to meet the demands of your body's energy needs. So your body has to find the energy from somewhere. It says, where do I go to get energy? Oh, there I go. It goes into the fat stores. It takes the fat, it melts it or breaks it down. It converts it into fuel that your body can use. So when you're in a negative energy balance uh, state, that is when you drive into those fat stores and break that fat down. And that's why on fast burn. Not only are people losing 15 to 17 pounds on average in nine weeks, but they're noticing six, seven, eight inches gone around their midsection because the book is putting them into this
4: negative energy balance state. Now that's, that's great. Now, but you broke the book down into three parts and we know it's nine weeks. It's four on yeah. one week. That is the middle week is one and it's four that closes out. It's called ignition, intermission and acceleration. Why are these keywords in the whole process of the di- nine week diet program? Well, because the idea is
0: imagine the, uh, the analogy of a car. Mm-hmm. So the first four weeks are the ignition. You're just starting, you're just getting going. And so people slowly make changes. Remember, this is not about being a diet this is about teaching you lifestyle changes. So people for the first four weeks are just learning how to eat differently, how to move differently. So it slowly takes you in there so that it sticks. When you do things too fast and too dramatic, people tend not to hold on to it. But I slowly do it for the first four weeks. And by the way, people lose about 30% of their total weight loss for the nine weeks in those first four weeks. Right. Then the middle is intermission. It is what it says. It's a break. You take a, a week, you relax a little bit, reassess where things are, Try to put into practice some things you've learned over the first four weeks, and you're good to go. Now the last four weeks is acceleration. Pedal to the metal. That's when we're really driving into our fat stores, really melting that fat, really losing the weight, really getting into that that nice sculpted look, that change in appearance, Mm -hmm. and the change in how we feel uh, situation. And so that's what acceleration is. Those are the nine weeks. If you've hit your target, you put the book up, and now you learn how to make the right decisions. If you haven't hit your target, you do another cycle until you need to get, until you've gotten all the
4: way off that you want it, but that is how the, build, the, the book is built. Well, this is your 20th book. I just gotta ask this question. What have you learned in each book? Cause each one has a different take a different chemical makeup, a different reason why you're attacking. They're never the same book. I can attest to that. They all have a different scope of knowledge that you're providing us about our bodies. What have you learned from, from book to book?
0: This book, I learned that number one, that people are able to do different types of intermittent fasting, Mm -hmm. that even though the science may say that time restricted feeding is the best type of intermittent fasting for results, that that doesn't work for everyone. Everyone can't necessarily follow that plan. That's why I use the 5-2 method in the book also. So I learned that people need to choose an intermittent fasting strategy that works for best for them. The other thing I learned is that you actually can keep into a program some of the, I won't call them cheat foods, but some of the fun foods that people enjoy. You can still keep them in a program, but keep them in a way that people do not feel deprived, but they also are
4: not overindulging and you can still help them lose weight. Well, the whole process is this. uh, Just a little little publicity here. I know you said the word listening. Now I'm now owning television. I have my own network that I'm on in Atlanta, Georgia. So uh, hopefully I get more sales for you. It's on uh, AIB TV, (laughs) 2 million homes in Northern Georgia. And so I just love the fact that I'm talking to a friend and I, I tease you when you talk about that old talk. We shut up, getting tired. You know, man, we are gonna be interviewing each other and helping each <laughs> other, supporting each other. Because when I talk to you, man, and and we both have seen our journeys. And and I, I just smile when I see your journey every time because it's tied to hard work. And I just like for you to close and just let everybody know that. You know, we all have dreams and all the scenes, like you were saying, there are other Dr. Ian Smiths out there. But guess what? There's only one Dr. Ian Smith. And that's mm-hmm. what allows me to say that you are a blessing and you have to continue to win. With that being said, what are your closing thoughts? My closing thoughts are very simple,
0: that life is very fragile and very precious. And when you value life, your own life, that means you automatically value the life of others that we have to live and and comport ourselves in a way where we're respectful to our other lives and to the environment, but also that we are always chasing. We're chasing to be better. We're chasing to be happy. We're chasing to fulfill our dreams. When you have that type of drive in your life, every day you get up like I do, and you say to yourself, I'm gonna squeeze the most out of this day because tomorrow is not promised to any of us. So I thank you for being a friend. I thank you for (laughs) always having me on your show. And I encourage others
4: out there uh, who I may never meet that you can do it too. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Ian Smith, for coming on my book, on my show. Fast burn, the power of negative energy balance. Buy it right now. Get it right now. Not just because I'm saying it, because it's going to change your life. And I'll tell you, five pounds, when you said the word sculpture, I thought about myself because I saw something in the little rib cage. Like I, I kind of saw it again, Doc. I saw it again <laughs> in my old age, okay? So life is good, man. You be safe out there, okay? You too. Love you, man. Take Thank care. Thank you. I
0: appreciate it. Hi, everyone. Al Roker here. As a guy with his own catchphrase, I appreciate that Smokey's only said,
2: Only you can prevent wildfires.
0: But I'm filling in because there's a lot more to report. Like when there are parched or windy conditions out there, you got to be extra careful with things like burning yard waste. After all, wildfires can start anywhere, even in your neck of the woods. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council.
2: Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat.
4: Visit NHTSA.gov
2: slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
4: My next guest is all about that, Watching living the dream, watching him grow. And I was so excited when, when they first booked him on the show, on his new show, Flatbush Misdemeanor, that's airing on Showtime. I said, no, 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 no. I got to see the episode before I interview him. Lord have mercy, I'm glad I waited. I'm glad I pushed for it. But boy, he is breaking out funny. But see, here's the cool thing, because I got to give his credit, because I just want to give him some love before we get started, because his name is Hassan Johnson. Hassan has been seen in many roles, from The Wire, Brooklyn Finance. Now, hear what I'm saying that. That has nothing to do with funny, them two roles. That has nothing to do with being a comedian. He recently rapped a recurring role in the hit ABC drama For Life. No comedy there. Okay, just setting you up for where we're going with this journey with Hassan. (laughs) But he was recently seen in a comedic chops, okay? Tracy Morgan in The Last OG. You might have saw him in Top 5, okay? Now he's in this new show, Flatbush Misdemeanor, which premieres May 23rd at 10.30 p.m. on Eastern Standard Time and Pacific on Showtime. You know, his character is Drew, a bold, direct man who's extremely protective of his loved one, in particular his niece. His demands come in conflict with his livelihood of both Kevin and my man Dan. Them two brothers, they the lead characters. They wrote it, they directed it, they executive produced the whole series are fantastic. Please welcome to Money Made Conversation for the first time. The very funny, I'm going to say to y'all, the very funny and talented Hassan Johnson. How you doing, Hassan?
3: <laughs> oh, man, they, what an introduction. Thank you, Rashawn. I'm glad they definitely showed you the episode first. <laughs> oh, man, this
4: beautiful, That's man. That's a bonus. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the bonus is... is- Cause you know I wanted to book you soon That's awesome, Paul. And I went, hold on, he got a new show. Cause you know, I, I cause I, I hate coming on there talking about something I don't know nothing about. And that, then, I know it'd
3: be just a lot of air, hot air getting blown around. I understand. Yeah. And then know. also
4: I respect what y'all do. They don't want me coming on the show just revealing the pilot and do matter nobody watches. Well, I'm gonna tell y'all this. Right. We're gonna talk in like you know in uh, evergreen terms, generic terms about the pilot. But the pilot is hysterical. And oh, this boy man. right here, this boy right here, I'm talking to right here, is uh he he played, he stays in that little genre, little thug, little thugish, mm-hmm. you know, but boy, he's funny, man. Talk about, man, let's talk about the series, and then we're gonna go back to when I first encountered you on The Wire. And it's been a journey, man, a long journey of excellent opportunities. But you can get, like it says, stereotyped into certain right. roles. And we're gonna talk about you coming out of that. And, and just being uh, uh, just super funny. And I'm hoping this is the character that you're doing It becomes a hit series so you can really, really show people your
3: range. Talk about mm-hmm. Flash Bush misdemeanor and your character, Drew. Well, see, Drew, Uncle Drew, as you'll get to know, he is the uh, uncle to, to the, the little girl and Not so little girl Zane on the show because she packed a mean punch, boy. <laughs> so anyway, Uncle Drew brings, I like to say this, balance. To an array of this like dysfunctional characters, right? Because then, while he's so overprotective of Zana, he's this tough guy, that's put this put central tough guy, mean guy. He he, there's a fairness in him yes. that that we're gonna explore. That you know what I'm saying? And, and and he encounters Kevin and Dan, and they start to appreciate the fairness that is who Uncle Drew is. But he brings this this balance to this dysfunction, and then therein lies his own dysfunction because he's so overprotective of Zayna and he's about his education as you'll get to discover why.
4: Well, you know, the beauty of the characters is written by uh, Kevin and Dan, uh, the executive mm-hmm. producer. You know, it really, uh, it's, 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 a, it's it's shot a certain way. The comedy is real, you know... If you, they, they they say street language, they say the N-word, you know, they right. they they go there with the with the with the regular vernacular, you know, sagging pants. Oh it's the look of the streets. And it's enjoyable because of the fact that I was not offended by anything I saw. I felt it was some of the things were very relatable. But then the characters, you love the characters and you engage by the realness of it. Now your character's real. Now let's talk about, you know, that, that character Drew, Uncle Drew. Now, I it was it's a scene and it kind of reminded me in Training Day, you know, it's a, it's okay. a Training Day moment. Remember when uh, he was about to do Homeboy Bad in in the in the bathtub, and then it came around and found out he he saved my niece. That was a Training now, Day moment. You see, what? you
3: a good one, Rashawn. See, I'm really <laughs> glad they let you watch because in the moment in time and on the day of, I'm not even understanding or putting a correlation with that scene with that because that's exactly what that was. That was
4: training day, I, but guess what? I wasn't mad at it because I was like, We're doing a comedy here, right. and it was a funny, so, and it
3: wasn't such in a parody where you like, you just understood, like, you know what? That's the same, you saw the parallel or the, the, right. the mirror of right. it, what we right. were Because,
4: on. Like, believe me, it wasn't funny, it wasn't even close to being funny in training day, but here, right. here, <laughs> it was funny. I was. I was falling out of my chair. I was going, this boy a fool. This is ignorant. <laughs> then you then your other boy, all he do is play video games. And then the oh, other boo, boy, right? He right? a nut. Blue a nut. And then your other boy, he just opened the door, and let anybody in. You know. Yeah, so, anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so so you you got your niece in there, she popping boomerang photos on her, and you get do the thing about it, man, is that this is just that setting, because Kevin is a delivery man and right. Dan is a school teacher, if you want to call it. Because Kevin ain't really a good delivery man and Dan is not really a good school teacher. <laughs> he ain't neither <laughs> one of them, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so that's what. I, so we up here laughing about this series that premieres on Showtime. It's called Flatbush Misdemeanor. Stars, my man. I would say stars, my man, Hassan Johnson, because he's a pivotal character. Because he's a community character. He's in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. He's that guy that you know. If he walks by you, by you, you know, you probably clutch your bag. If you if he goes by your car door, you probably push press lock on your door. You know, you, you go in the store, you might see him, and when back back out the door, you know, but. The, <laughs> Uh, all those things, cause you got that look, man. But in the end, you have a heart.
3: And right. So when you that's get the this- main thing. He has a heart. Like I said, there's a level of fairness that comes with Uncle Drew. You what you see is what you get. He, you know, he wears heart on his sleeve. You're not gonna get no BS. He ain't gonna sugarcoat and water nothing down for you. And that's what you could appreciate. And that's what you'll see. The characters Dan and Kevin. They start to appreciate that, I think, about Drew more than anything, because everything and everywhere else is so iffy and wish-washy in their surroundings. They're so uncertain. They're these uncertain characters that they could appreciate that Drew is so, you know, just adamant. Well, I think, I think let's, let's, let's be real about that character, because good
4: writing has a way of telling a person's role. And your there role you is go. about rules. You know, it's like we all have rules. You know, like I said, somebody the, the speed limit might be 35 miles an hour, you drive 40, but it's 35 miles an hour. And that's you. Right. You know what I'm saying? If you make a mistake, you hold people accountable for that mistake based on Drew, Uncle Drew's rules. You know what I'm saying? If you respect the rules, you're going to walk out of the house alive. You yeah. respect the rule. You might walk out of the house, you're kind of alive, but you're going to remember you broke that rule, right?
3: <laughs> exact. There you go. It's gonna be a learning lesson.
4: <laughs> and uh that's what I love about it. So, but then again, we talked a little bit off air before we got on air because you get stereotype. You know, people people see your photo, oh, he's gonna play a thug, oh, he's gonna play a criminal, or oh, he can play this. And you know, and I first fell in love with your acting, man, way back on the wire, which was a phenomenal. When you look at all the people, man, that were casting that series, all oh, y'all working all y'all doing big things,
3: man. Through the grace of God. That's right though. You
4: know what I'm saying? So, so you say, why
3: was that series so brilliant? The, the cast. You now you get to understand why now see, because that's the thing, Rashawn. When we were shooting The wire, we don't know we're making history. Yes. Not not that not you, I swear to God, any one of us tell you that we knew that show was gonna be a hit. We be talking about it double the time later than it was on. Right. You couldn't have paid. No, no one. I'd say they'd be lying if they said that they knew that. We didn't know. You right. know what I mean? Right. It was the writing that cast, Now you start to understand as everyone's careers blossom and came into fruition that no wonder that that was such a great show.
4: Absolutely. Now, your character was Webay, Webae? Webae? yeah. That's right. See, hey, hey. See, still in my mind. See, two characters stayed in my mind. You know, Stringer Bell. And we you know made <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right.
3: stranger ghost go <laughs> He was a tough one. Oh, but when he got killed, I was hurt. I said, like, "Oh my god!" I know, though. He, I know, he went out like a G.
4: <laughs> oh my god! So, but when you look at that, that, that was your—that was really your first, really um, a consistent acting role. You know, yes, like for sure. Say, yes, like-
3: that was my first recurring role on the television show. For sure, everything else before that was either a one-off in the film, mm-hmm. you know, like a co-star role right. mm-hmm. or uh, 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 a co-star you uh episodic.
4: Right. So let's let's talk about that. When you when you get that opportunity, and you finally because you work hard for these opportunities, and then you, you finally right. get yes. that regular check and. You know, like and and so you're around all these talented people because all you guys were young stars at the time, young young up and comers. I'm gonna say that word, up and comers, because mm-hmm. we, we can turn any streaming network, any movie, any network television show, and one of you guys are on it, one, mm-hmm. are on it. You know what I'm saying? And some of them, two or three of y'all, in the same series yeah yeah let's
3: not play with it i mean i have popped up in a few shows or you know movies with my fellow castmates from the show yeah we don't go unscathed now (laughs) (laughs) so so with that being said what, what were your thoughts man when
4: you when you when you was brought on the wire was it just a paycheck or was it just hey man finally i finally see my craft being appreciated my skills being appreciated talk to us about that
3: I think it was a mixture of both, but overall and ultimately, it was my 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 craft being appreciated. Because I remember auditioning, right? Auditioning for The Wire was pre-9-11. Then we shot post-9-11. So you got to understand that a lot goes on in between the time that it was first very introduced to me, and then it came into reality, right? Because right. mm-hmm. the world stopped. Mm-hmm. the world stopped in between that time and then uh, uh, resumed again and I had to come back with that energy right. so when I got the call back I'm like the why I almost didn't even remember what it was Rashawn I mm-hmm. was like oh that show <laughs> okay let's go mm-hmm. I, I got, got back in focus
2: mm-hmm. I went
3: out there to Alexa Fogel's office Our audition I remember now in the middle of the audition I'm doing my thing right mm-hmm. and the creator it was David Simon in there and then it was Clark Johnson, who mm-hmm. was one of the director for the pilot in a few of the first season episodes, you know, from Homicide Life on the Street. Mm-hmm. Clark Johnson, OG, pick up the Clark Johnson. One of them leaned over to the other one in the audition, Rashawn, and said, Weebae. So. That's when, the, that was my first inclination of something, like, tangible. Right. right? Because right, I'm auditioning right. for D'Angelo, right. by the way. <laughs> right. I'm a, so I don't know if anybody could even imagine mm-hmm. that, because Larry Gilliard did such a phenomenal job mm-hmm. doing that, mm-hmm. that who could imagine me playing D'Angelo or him doing, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. That type of nuance. Mm-hmm. So when they said that, I kind of lost my beat for a minute, but then I got back on. I finished up but that lingered on with me for some reason until I got that call from my agent that I booked it. Mm -hmm. Like, who is this WeeBay character? And then even then, I still didn't know, because they said, oh, WeeBay here, he'll be around for two or three episodes, and you already know the rest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, you know, let's let's
4: talk about you, man, because really, you know, bringing you on the show, man, because a lot of times, you know... Uh, you do interviews; they don't give a chance to tell your story, get you to tell the journey. And this is about how to make conversations about that journey, because so many people need to hear that. You know, like I said, you you took something that was short and then you turned it into a career, and that's really what mm-hmm. is happening. Because you will, you know, it's like it's like a good like. The, let's go and say the Chicago Bulls. If you made mm-hmm. the Chicago Bulls, guess what? You're a champion. All right. You when we look at it back now. We didn't realize, you know, the last dance showed us the greatness of the Chicago Bulls run. Now, when we look back at the wire, we go, wow. Look at all those people who came out of the wire. So really, when you look at Hassan, you were being pushed by the best every day. Talk to us about that, 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 that surrounding. Talk about the, 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 the rehearsals. Talk about the, the, you know, being pushed and being mentored as well. To be your best during that time.
3: I mean, Rashawn, one of the greatest experiences of my life. We talking about Wendell Pierce, Sonya San, Lance Reddick, Clark Peters. I mean, it, it keeps going. Joe, John Doman, uh, uh Andre Royal, Michael K. Williams. You know what I'm saying? It just, it's just it just goes down the rabbit hole so crazy. And then whether you knew who those people were or not, by the end of the day's rat. You knew who they was. You feel what I'm saying? Absolutely. Michael K. Williams. Come on now. Whoa, whoa. If you didn't know, (laughs) now you know. And so that's when I knew I was being brought up with the best. And I said, "Oh, okay. This this is this is turning into something now. I can see where this is really going now. I have a career now because yeah, that uncertainty with you know being rejected. I mean, I'm in a line of work where I get rejected for a living. Mm -hmm. People don't really understand what that feel like. You go home after these auditions and you're not the, the 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 uh the best man. Right,
4: right, right, and and, and because you know that, that that's that's what it really
3: is. Because rejection
4: is so high in Hollywood. You just know, just imagine just going on auditions, auditions, auditions. Then going job interviews, job interviews, job interviews, and then they
3: just telling you you're not the one based on your and look. You're not the one, and you know you are, but right. they you got to eat that. You have to accept that. Dig down, regroup, revamp and say, I'm going to come out and do better. Like, listen, for instance, I'm going to tell you this is what happened for me. This is how I learned to cope with this rejection. Mm -hmm. I figured it like this. The more auditions you go on, the better your chances you booking something, right? Right. So as Mm -hmm. long as you're going on auditions, you're working, you're sharpening your blade, you're getting better, trust me, right? And then then it's supposed to be fun. Mm -hmm. But then when you don't get the job, I mean, you know, there's no gratification. And you're like, what's so fun about that? But this is what I did for myself. I built a system up that for every 10 auditions, I'm going to get one. That one, that 10% ratio out of 10, I'm going to get one. I was able to live and come to grips and terms with that. And it was happening. Right. Every eight, every six, and then lower, lower, lower. Every other audition, I'll book a role. And then that's when you start to, you know, elevate in your mind, and then you start to believe in yourself because yeah. it's a belief system you got. You have to have to keep going. Wow! So, how did you get into acting? Let's get that
4: out. Let's hear the fans hear about that. How did How did Hassan Johnson get into acting?
3: Oh man! All praise due to uh, Spike Lee, our Lord and Savior Spike Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. He had an open call for a movie called Clockers. Mm -hmm. And a girl at school dared me to go to the open audition because I was just this like boisterous young boy. I I played ball. I played football. I thought I was going to be a baller. Mm -hmm. And I was pretty smart. You know, I was in the the academic classes, like the student athlete and whatnot. And everybody tried to get me to be more proactive with the academic stuff. You know, the Glee Club, the African Culture Club, the math club. I didn't want to do it. I just wanted to play ball. And, you know, that's it. So she dared me, because I I always said I wanted to be on television. Oh, well, why don't you go to this Spike Lee audition, mister? I want to be on TV. (laughs) And dared me in front of, like, the whole lunchroom, right? I'm holding court at lunch, doing what I do, and she dared me in front. So I did one of those. All right, who going with me? And then everybody did one of these Don't last <laughs> the week. And I went. It was like a dare. I went. I, I got up that Saturday. It was pouring down and It was in Harlem at a school. He had it at a public school in Harlem. I went up there, with Sean, And the rest is history. I went to one audition, turned into seven callbacks. And I, and I got a principal role in Spike Lee film. $30 million budget out the gate.
4: Love it. Love it. Now, now we're making the transition. Top five. You know that that I think Top Five was the first time I I saw you in funny scenarios. You know what I'm saying? But you still, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll say
3: that was the first.
2: You know, I'm saying might
3: be something we're missing before that. But let's just say, yeah, Yeah, we'll go with that. Let's go with that. You know, I'm I'm,
4: this is Rushan's career (laughs) path for Hassan. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm tracking. I'm tracking. You you know, so Top Five, Top Five was was the one for me. This started looking you because because I always like you know I've been fortunate in Hollywood to cast a lot of people you know, see African-American talent get pigeonholed, and when I saw you in top five, but you were still being yourself, but the, but the spin on your words the, the, were, were funny. I said, this guy's funny. So talk about that experience, and then we're gonna go to the last OG with Tracy and Tiffany Haddish, where you really Started showing your comedy chops. Talk about Right.
3: And, and 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 top five birthed me even being able to have an opportunity and a shot to get on last OG with Tracy and Tiffany, which was a blessing as well. But it all started with, you know, me telling my uh my manager, Adam, Adam Robinson, like, you know, I, I gotta get out of this this pigeonhole that's seemingly a pigeonhole. It's not quite one, because Adam used to always say, Hassan, come on now, if you do something good. That's what they call you for. You're great at what you do. That's not your fault. You can't beat yourself down about that. So if it's time to be the the thug and this, you know, depending on what's going on and what the criteria is, then go out and be the best damn thug you can be. Ain't nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with it. Mm -hmm. And then um, I say, all right, until we get to that bridge and we can cross that bridge into the lighter hearted, funny stuff, that's what we're going to do. So what happens is when Top 5 comes along it's this character that's kind of just play, meant to play be played straight mm-hmm. and and in and, and a world of all these comedians and funny people, naturally funny people. Cause you know, when Jay Farrell talks, he's just funny. Mm-hmm. When Sherry Shepard talks, she's just funny. <laughs> when Tracy talks, they're just funny. Right. You know, Chris, when they talk, they're just funny. Their tonality, their diction, right. delivery is just funny. So they ain't gotta <laughs> do much because they're established, we know that, but then here I go. So I'm not going to go above and beyond either. My best my best bet is to stay in my lane and go straight. Right. And that's what I did because I was fortunate enough to get... I was privy to some info and in their casting process that said, Hoss, we ain't going to say no names. Right. But it was a couple dudes came through here, a few heavy hitters. They just wasn't giving it up like you was doing it. We just going to leave it at that.
4: Right, right, and, right.
3: And, it, and it, it what's understood don't got to be explained.
4: Right, absolutely. And that's what we're talking about. I'll tell you a couple things about your manager. Your manager is right, and you are right, because if you don't fight for change, Hassan, then people will settle for what you get. And by yes. you fighting, you know, let's talking. This we talking to anybody who's watching the show or listening to the show. Your brand, because you have a brand, and you fought for. You know, I'm I, I'm not satisfied. It's like you know, it's like just because you have a nice house, why can't you ask for a bigger house, or a better car, or more groceries in the refrigerator? People look, like, well, you got food in the refrigerator. I want more. And that's how you want guys. more, mm-hmm. right? I ain't- I'm not content. Mm-hmm. And that, and so that push enabled this conversation we're having right now. Because when you got on to the last OG, and like I said, man, you know, I really went, he funny, man. And But I'm going to just tell you about your funny, Hassan. You know, like you said, you mentioned, you know, Sherry Shepard, Tracy, Jay Farrell, you mentioned, of course, Chris Rock. They have built a, a legacy. It's like I always tell people right. stand-up comedy is just like math. If you know what two plus two equals four, then you know how to get there. Your style of comedy is that you just natural, but you don't even understand you funny. And I think
3: that's a, you, go. you know
4: what I'm saying? That's the gift because all those people have yeah. walked on stage in front of hundreds of thousands of people and made them laugh. And so you are just one of those guys who just naturally funny. If you get around your family, you crack them up. I don't give a who you You, your family go here come. But see, what what a comedian has done, he's taking his funny from in front of his family to strangers.
3: To strangers, yes.
4: And so because you've not done that, it questions your ability. But brother, in the last OG, that stepped you up. And then you went back to life for life on ABC. Mm -hmm. Nice check. Wasn't supposed to be funny. You were supposed to be who you supposed to be incarcerated. Then in the back of your mind, you've set these templates. Templates yeah. of, of being able to do something more than just be a stereotypical black thug. Then right. Flatbush misdemeanor comes along. Tell us about that whole process. I know we talked about it earlier, but I gotta close the show because, brother, I can't wait. I can't wait to episode. No, two, all right, three, so four. Th-
3: this is what it is, Rashawn. This, like you said earlier, this is the the the, the most tangible opportunity to really show my range because then you're gonna see i mean you talking about the first episode you got eight nine more to go <laughs> you got eight nine more to I love go it. I and love they, it. and they let me go man i'm telling you kevin and dan man that are two of the greatest guys around right now that they, they, they are soon to leave a deep footprint in this game i'm telling you with this one and it's all there for you and they and they really let me Go. They just let me go. Like how they tell a boxer, let your hands right, go. Right,
4: right, 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 right,
3: right. That that's the that's the best analogy with this character I could come up with. You guys are gonna be in for it's a roller coaster, it's so much emotion because you sit here, you talking about this this comedic stuff, this funny stuff, but then you're gonna be so emotional, you're gonna be stressed out a little bit, right? Well, you know, the thing about it, but
4: in a in a good way, because right. Kevin's life way. is stressed. It's stress because, and he's relatable. Here's a guy, yeah. they, they, their lives are not moving forward, y'all. gonna just be honest with you. Their lives are at a standstill. They got jobs. They don't have career opportunities. They don't even see the career in the opportunity. All they right. are trying to do is get by. And I think we know a lot of people who are just trying to get by. That's why their characters are relatable. But what happens is when they try to move ahead, then they start making mistakes and that's then, when they run bro,
3: the mistakes start to come in that yeah. makes you so it humanizes everything
4: because the way i can i can say this the way kevin encounters uncle drew as a delivery and when he comes into his place he makes a mistake the consequences of that mistake drives the first
3: episode and the long term relationship am i right Yes, it does. That's <laughs> it. That one mistake. And you know, I always say, Rashawn, in mm. real life, I always tell people, you can't be upset about what is and what's not at the moment in time because what you have to realize is every decision you made yes. from out the womb to this day right now in, in May of 2021 is that every direct decision led you to where you are, whether you're currently happy, sad, Whatever the case is, right, et cetera, mm-hmm. every decision you made led you up to right now. And guess what? It's a
4: beautiful right now. He's the it star. Is. I'm telling you, something, man. The blessing in this interview, man, was that I, I, I'm always been a fan, Hassan. I've always been a Thank fan. Thank you, my brother. And then, and then, going to Showtime, say, I want to interview my boy, but I got to see the pilot. I saw the <laughs> pilot, man. I am recommending. I I'm mad because it, it,
3: it's several weeks away before it premieres. So I know. Listen, but you made my whole month, the rest of my year, Rashawn, because you know we we don't know what we in for. So you telling me is rest assurance that we doing something right. <laughs> I, I'm chasing hustle. I I you know I ain't got time to be lying to you. Okay, brother. Yo,
4: I'm just saying it like that. It's funny, okay? Are you are straight, funny man, and you and you deliver it on a high level of opportunity because you're a regular guy, man. Started out on a dare, but you saw it through. And that's what people understand is that is that whether you see it through, you know, if people tell you or, or challenge you, then don't 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 cower down to the challenge. See it through and see what the opportunity bears itself. And that's what showing you showing up is half the battle. You right. gotta show up. But well, my man, I want to thank you for coming on Money Made Conversation, Hassan, you know. Thanks again. for having me,
3: Rashawn. We're going to catch back up halfway the season and so we a recap, I, I, You so.
4: know I got to come back to you. Flatfish Misdemeanor premieres May 23rd, 1030 Eastern Pacific Time on Showtime. My man Hassan Johnson plays Uncle Drew again. There's no character like it on TV right now. He's going to change the game. If they do what I think... That's an Emmy-winning Emmy character you got oh, there, I'm brother. not
3: even going to say Dan. You took it. I'm not even going to say nothing. There that's you go,
4: it. Bro. Talk to you later, brother. Don't say nothing else. my brother. Appreciate <laughs> you.
6: We will be right back with more money-making conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald.
2: What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination. Our sense of wonder. And our family bonds grow, too. Because when we disconnect from this... And connect with this. We reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky.
4: Hi, I am Rashawn McDonald, host of MoneyMakingConversation.com. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. They can be civic leaders, people in business, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award honoree this week is John Hope Bryant. Where there's hope, there's John Hope Bryan. A mentor to many. Brian has dedicated himself to sharing his failures and successes in life and business as well to empower the next generation of entrepreneurs. And Operation Hope and Shopify have partnered to create one million new black-owned businesses.
3: You need to be about building wealth. You can't build wealth without compounding. You can't compound without something other than you, in this case, employee, technology infrastructure systems so i decided not just complain about it but try to do something about it so we partnered together with shopify the second largest e-commerce retailer in the world the
4: cafe mocha swag award represents men who have strength whose wisdom is assertive and who is genuine in their spirit
5: welcome back to money making conversations with your host rashawn mcdonald
4: Welcome to Money Making Conversations. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I always tell people it's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. And I always tell people to leave with your gifts and don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My interviews I have on Money Making Conversations are with celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. Now today I'll include... Love matchmakers. My next guest is Spicy Marty. <laughs> She's a magnetic matchmaker and relationship expert who's focused on encouraging individuals and couples to unlock the power of their passion in order to attract their purpose mate. She is the founder of The Spicy Life and will discuss Spicy Marty's career journey and the spicy, that's S-P-I-C-Y, fundamentals. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Spicy Marty. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing amazing. Thank you for having me. Well, great, uh, great for coming on the show. You know about relationships, and we come out of COVID. You know, uh, I I remember doing COVID. I was like, boy, I'm so glad I'm not in the game, boy. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, you couldn't. You know, you know, you, if you kiss somebody, you, you go get COVID. You have relationships, you're gonna have COVID. You know, you know, the online and apps were just exploding. These relationships, you swipe right, swipe left, swipe COVID left, swipe COVID right. It was just. Uh, it was just really crazy in 2020, and now you you said during that period your business flourished.
1: Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. I almost um, there's a little bit of um, guilt when I say like business was amazing for me, right? Because there was so much hardship going on um, from a financial level to a romantic level for you know the entire world. But being in an industry that focuses on helping you find love. And your purpose mate, actually, it was an eye-opening, awakening experience for a lot of folks. I think um, deciding like, hey, this is time for me to get serious. Who knows if I'm going to spend another year in quarantine, isolated? I really should, you know, take my companionship and relationship uh, growth serious. So because our fundamental elements are based off of self, passion, intimacy, communication, and learning to say yes. A lot of people decided that they were going to invest in themselves uh, and make sure that they don't spend 2021 and 2022 mm-hmm. uh, alone. And so business has been amazing. Well,
4: we're going to talk about biz- your business and the model in a minute, which is love. But well, I want to go back to, you know, we don't always start there. You know, okay. you was at I Media, which I'm very familiar with because Steve Harvey and I did a syndication contract with iHeart in 2005. And he's still with I Media. In fact, my podcast, Money Making Conversation, is on the I Media platform. And then you did work with HBO. And uh, talk about that start in that area. And then we're going to go back to college. we are going to kind of like go there and then go back to college. Then we're going to come okay. back understand <laughs> how you're into this love making spicy zone. <laughs>
1: Uh, so my career journey has um, definitely been diverse, right? But everything that I've done has led me to this point. So uh, I realized at an early age that my purpose and my calling was to connect people. And um, understanding that that was a part of my spiritual gifts, made sure that I went to you know undergrad and got my master's in communication, since that's the number one breakdown in relationships. But all the while, gaining experience as a relationship expert um, on in on media platforms from radio to television. And so starting off at actually KJLH early on um, with, with Steve Harvey, um, I'm sorry, Steve Harvey actually was at KJLH, but with um, CD Wonder mm-hmm. and then going from uh, KJLH to 92.3 after having built like credibility in the radio industry. Um, definitely helped me with my on air experience right. mm-hmm. and doing a relationship radio show where I gave spicy tips. Mm-hmm. And so all the meanwhile, juggling media, plus doing um, a sales executive position at HBO and making sure that like, I also knew how to pitch myself and market and brand. So I was able to understand operations of business at the same time while understanding how to be like in front of the camera.
4: Well, you know, articulation is the key, you know, what What right. you can't do, you, <laughs> you can't start a trying to tell people about love. You know what I'm saying, you, can get, you, know, you know what I'm saying, it's Spicy. you can't mess around looking like you confused. You know what I'm saying? So, right. so, so, and, uh, and also, let's go be real. You have to look attractive. or you know, Attractive people. You don't want an ugly person telling you how to find love. You know. So, you are attractive, and then you have the word spicy.
5: Exactly. Thank okay, you. Well, know, honest, just
4: honest money, money, Can't say You know, you, you know. If I saw your pictures, so she don't. you don't relationship. I don't think she's that busy. If he's ugly, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, let gonna be busy. But you're not. So fortunately for this interview. <laughs> But then, you, then also you have the word spicy and you're attractive. Did that ever bother you that, hey, you know, people might get the wrong idea about your brand, that you might get the wrong idea about you? Because you are a serious professional. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> That's a great question. So I love the fact that um, spicy has become this word that were like, Ooh, what does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. there's this passion, um, and desire that's associated with the word spicy. Right. And so I love being able uh, to have an opportunity to describe even with questions like this, what spicy actually stands for. So I've always embraced it. Um, I coined the name actually in radio because I've always, you know, pushed my business and my company and my expertise, the spicy life. So when I coined the name spicy Mahdi it was because, you know, I'm the CEO of this company, but I'm always giving spicy tips. So when people, ask me like, you know, what does that mean like why do they call you spicy you know they always think it's because i'm this you know fiery you know feisty um you know black um and mexican latina Mm -hmm. and so um let explain i get an opportunity to explain to them no i'm mixed i get an opportunity to explain to them Mm -hmm. um that spicy actually stands for you know self passion intimacy communication and learning to say yes and that i coined it in my company so i embrace it and it's uh, it's a catchy name that people get to remember you know, they're, oh, they they sometimes forget modding, but they never forget
4: spicy. You know, you have the corporate experience. Now you're taking it to a personal level. How were you able to avoid pushback when you started defining your voice? And I know you have history now, but in the beginning, you had to develop that history. Talk about the in the beginning and then the journey to where we are at being interviewed with, with uh, a resume of a uh, legitimacy tied to your brand.
1: Yeah, I think when it comes to branding um and credibility, right? People fall in love with the person, right? Before they fall in love with the brand, they want to know who's behind that. So when I explain my story of making sure that, you know, I elaborate on the fact that I've been doing this since I was a child, really connecting people. My mother was married three times, single parents. Each time that she was uh, married, I was set her up. I was going up to men in the grocery store at the gas station, pitching, my mother to them because I wanted a dad so bad. And so I got really good at marketing at a very young age. My mom's husband, you know, number four now. So like, it's safe to say I'm really good at what I do, <laughs> but understanding that you need the education and the credibility behind that. Right. I went to school, mastered in communication and really developed my method there. So all of the information that I have is based on true research Tried, tested, and proven. So when anyone comes to me and they're like, you know, well, what makes you an expert? You just get to go around saying you're an expert. I'm like, yes, actually, I have even more than 10 years of experience. I've been doing this my entire life, Mm -hmm. setting up over multiple couples where they've actually walked down the aisle, had children based off of my, you know, connection, and then have relationships right now that are flourishing, that are, you know, getting to the point of the proposal and coaching my clients and seeing them all the way through. So I love when people question, you know, what makes you an expert or what makes you a guru? Mm -hmm. Because it gives me the opportunity to really explain all of the investment and time that I put into this. And when people hear your story from a branding perspective, like they want to not just believe you, but they want a relationship with you. And being in a relationship industry, I understand that you need self-awareness. You need to bring that passion and fire. You need to have intimacy a create a bond with your, you know, audience, and you need to have amazing communication and deciding how you deliver that message. And then you also need to be willing to say yes to the risk. Yes. To the unknown understanding, you know, that not everybody's going to believe you, but that's okay. If you believe you, you're going to push that message anyways. <laughs> so SPICY applies to everything. Absolutely.
4: So this, now you're the founder of the spicy life. Okay. Again, carrying that brand spicy, Taking it from a standpoint of using the word that's very popular, used for a lot of different it describes a lot of different things. But in this Mm -hmm. case, it describes romance. You're trying to trying to find that purpose mate. Now, what is the purpose mate?
1: So I love the purpose mate term, right? Because it makes you wonder, hmm, it's not something that we hear often. Mm -hmm. Most people think of soulmate. They've gotten familiar with that word. And that is when you have um, deep affection, romantic feelings for someone, amazing chemistry. Mm -hmm. When I speak to purpose-mate, what I'm talking about is having chemistry and compatibility. So you need both of those elements. You can't just have the fire and desire. You also have to have the compatibility element. And then in addition to that, you have to be someone who understands and knows your purpose in life Mm -hmm. and then wants to be with someone who understands their purpose. And then you guys merge two purposes together to help one another form or build your empire. The mission that you were put on here to do, you're very clear on that and you understand your role in that person's life and you're there to support them, uplift them, use their talents and gifts on another level and help lift them up. So your purpose mate is way bigger than just like, Ooh, you know, he's fine. I love him. No, your purpose mate is like, how do I get you to where God intended for you to be? And it's by any means necessary, no matter what comes against us to try to destroy us. I'm pushing you, boo.
4: <laughs> I love Marty. Ooh, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> now, which is very true. Now, this is why I like what you just said. First of all, soulmate really has not been working in the marriage world because 50% mm-hmm. of the marriage is in divorce. Now, when you ask about what is your soulmate, they really can't explain to it. What that is. Mm-hmm. What exactly is a soulmate? Now, when you went purpose mate, you actually had a point of view. They had credibility. I understood it and it, I brought value. So, uh, to me, this whole purpose mate if you find a purpose mate, the percentages of successful marriages may go up. Yeah. Because soulmate is not working. I'm just sorry. It has, it's not working. It's <laughs> fallen. It's failed. Because can't nobody explain what a soulmate is. I can't tell you. I've never used the word soulmate, but purpose mate I could use because mm-hmm. it has, it, you know, it's like anything you do in life, like a good job. You have to yeah. know it's a contract. And people tend to forget that marriage is a contract, you know, and you have the right to break it if it's not working for you. Now, in this situation, your purpose mate, like you said, is, is turned to. That person's purpose, that person's purpose of what they want to do with their lives. And that never comes up in being a soulmate. I really like that concept that you really have honed on to because it, it makes me, it made me think. It made me get a clear understanding of, okay, when I look at somebody, I always tell people like, you know, when you when you, you can marry for money, you can marry for somebody who's educated, you can marry for somebody because mm-hmm. they, but if you marry for fineness, you marry because he, Oh, he make me laugh, I'm gonna tell you right now, that's gonna be a short relationship. It might lead to marriage and the sex going to get old. He mm-hmm. And when the sex get old, you won't be laughing as much. But if you marry based on a plan, and that's what purpose-made is, it's a plan, correct? Talk to me. I, I think I'm into this spicy life, girl.
1: Talk you to have, me. You have a dead on? I might need
2: to hire you. <laughs> Let me put oh, you
4: on no. the payroll. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, but you, you, you're leading me down the right path because, like yeah. I said, I, I did the book uh, Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man with Steve Harvey. Yep. The reason that book yep. was so successful, one of the things was the 90-day the 90-day uh, 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 period that it, uh, that yep. you had in there. Because it was like, if a job can put you on probation for 90 days, why can't you right. put your relationship on probation for 90 days? And right. so this is the same thing. It was tied to making the decision, not so much on emotion, but is this the right person for you? And when I hear the word soulmate, yep. we've all heard that, and we all use, have used that in some form. I don't know what that means, but I knew what 90-day <laughs> probation meant. I does in job and in a relationship also know what purpose made me. Once you explain to me and once you explain it to any of your clients, I'm sure they go, wow, I never thought about it like that.
1: Mm -hmm. You absolutely hit it on the money. And the thing is, is one thing that I do love about um, act like a lady, think like a man, you know, I give you crazy insane props um, for everything that you did for publishing that book and getting it out there. um, Is that it, It speaks to um, strategy, which I speak to as well, right? Mm -hmm. What you're saying right now is that we have to operate less in emotion and how someone makes us feel and more in logic, which is totally what I'm in support of. I want you to have both. I want you to have the chemistry and compatibility. But what does that look like? How do we create a strategic action plan? or what your relationship goal is. And that's what I get to the root of because a lot of people are just out here floating around trying to figure it out. And one thing that I do support in act like a lady, think like a man as well is that 90 day rule. Now, can most people follow it when they come into my program? <laughs> that's a whole That's a whole nother, whole nother topic, right? They, do, they require a lot of strength when it comes to being abstinent for those 90 days. But I fully support that and actually implement that in my SPICY program because I need people to have clarity of thought. I don't want them emotionally attached to someone who hasn't earned all of the things that need to show up when it comes to their core values, their deal breakers, consistency. And when we speak to your purpose mate, your purpose mate has to show the compatibility element before we give our bodies to them. And what I mean by compatibility is I'm talking amazing communication that's in alignment with your definition of communication. I'm talking shared activities and interests. And I'm talking about being at the same place in your guys' time and intention of what you guys want from the relationship, right? Can I merge my life with this person and are we at the same place in our lives in knowing what our purpose is and what's the game plan to fulfilling that? So I'm huge on strategy, um, and it's something that I've created my whole method around when it comes to manifesting what you truly want. I'm not just about words and emotions. I'm about, <laughs> I'm about yes, manifestation, but we do that through behavioral changes and actions. What's this game plan look like?
4: Well, it really is interesting. So when one, because, you know, a lot of it's the big companies out there making money mm-hmm. off of matchmaking, and then you yep. just, a, you know, you just spicy body. Okay, so <laughs> how do you compete? With the big ballers out there, they got the million dollar commercial oh, brands, yeah. you know, they own social media, they do geofencing on couples, you know, yep. and it's credibility. Uh, how, how did you manage to, you know, start defining your lane and being on major talk shows and being an advice person? How did that happen?
1: I think a part of my success has been driven, not just from the branding component of understanding what my brand is, but also, and I'll tell this to my daters too, what's your product differentiator, right? What makes you different or sets you apart from what else is on the market? And so when we speak in business terms, there's tons of other matchmaking companies, there's tons of competitors, completely understand that, but what they're not doing is giving you the personal relationship coaching that comes with the matchmaking. I can introduce you to a hundred people, but if I don't know how to raise your vibration, if I don't know your strengths, your weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, um, which is what I do for my clients—a SWOT analysis, right? Really understanding their character, what their beliefs are, you know, what's their, what's holding them back, what's their limiting beliefs. Really understanding who they are as a person and developing that personal tension. How am I going to set you up with your purpose mate? When we haven't even gotten to the root of, you know, who you are, some of your childhood traumas. So there's a lot of coaching that comes with my program. In addition to the weekly coaching, you also get an image consultant. I redo your look. You also get a professional astrologist. I have someone who's telling me what are the best Zodiac signs are for you. I also have a marriage and family therapist on staff. And then I also redo your online dating profile. So everything that we're doing is transformational. And we even have a, a fitness coach, should we need to like help you from um, a health standpoint? So it's full, full encompassing and very hands-on, whereas other matchmaking companies are just setting you up and they're like, good luck, now, pay my 10k pay my 20k right. and they're not really working on who you are as a person mm-hmm. and getting to the root of relationship development and i think that's what you know my main emphasis is is that interpersonal development and how do i help you become the best version of yourself so that you can reach relationship actualization
4: mm-hmm. cool uh, uh hopefully you've trademarked purpose bait. have you <laughs>
1: You're just giving. You're giving. You're giving me a bar right there. We're working on it right now. I'm telling you, have to.
4: I'm telling like
1: you, five things that I have to trademark in addition to uh, to the spicy life, which I already have, and spicy body. Uh-huh. But I have like five things in the in the queue right now. So I'm I appreciate that. Right. Because that. I,
4: I'm, you know, I'm just sitting up here just looking at you because you know you you got it. You know, and I, I, oh, look, at talent, I look at talent. I all the I'll time. Be, like I'll it. be
1: coming for you when I get my book. I need your help. No, have,
4: no problem. You know, that, I've developed money making conversation as a voice. You know, a lot of people wanted me to mentor them and also give them advice. Well, I can do that in interviews. And also if you listen to the interviews that I do with talented mm-hmm. people like you, yeah. maybe you can take those little moments of enthusiasm or information because it's tied to both because successful people are, are, are driven by their hard work, also by their excitement. You're Like you're excited about what you do. I don't know anybody who who makes a lot of money and ha- unhappy? They're gonna change the game. You know, I'm not un- unhappy or anything. I do. I wake up happy. That gets me yeah. out of bed. That gets me out the front door. And it also causes me to return home so I can rest up and do it again the next day. Now, spicy. You know, it said yes is important in the learning of say yes. Now, in, in relationships, you, you've always heard the word no. You gotta learn mm-hmm. how to say no. Now and you is learning how to say yes, because that's the last of the terms with spices, but yep. S-P-I-C-Y. Y stands for y- yes. So talk about that.
1: So the reason why yes is so important is um exactly for what you said, right? Uh society and what's going on culturally right now is that the you know rate of marriage for um, millennial age groups is slowing down as far as like the time that we're choosing to get married in our lives. Right. So there's all of this um, fear based around why we need to wait, why we need to be uh, making slower decisions because, you know, we saw what our parents did and our parents, parents, mm-hmm. and because the divorce rate is so high, we're now dating from um, a f- place of fear. And so when you date from a place of fear, that's a scarcity mindset, you're going to be limited in what you believe your options are. You're going to be limited in what you believe that you can attract so when I hear limiting beliefs, I have to help you with raising your vibration and having not a scarcity mindset, but an abundance mindset. And when we have an abundance mindset, it means that we don't have to be afraid of the unknown. It means that we can take risks and step into them with strategy, right? Because I believe in risk, but I believe in calculated risks. Right. So when you're dating, you're going through the process, or even when you're in partnership, really evaluating, you know, the choices that you're making, researching, you know, why you want this relationship and what's that looks like, but also what's holding you back, what's stopping you from being in a healthy, loving relationship. And when it comes to partnership, really understanding that, yes, you want those bubblegum, warm butterfly feelings, but you really want the person who's going to submit. And when I say submit, I'm talking about the person who says yes to what's healthiest for the relationship. I'm not talking about, you know, bending down on one um, knee or, Um, doing whatever your partner says. When I talk about submission, I'm saying about what am I willing to sacrifice in this relationship to have what I want? Because you're not gonna get 100% of the person, right? I definitely believe in the 80-20. So what are you willing to sacrifice about you, your personality that's not serving you, that's holding you back? And then what are you willing to sacrifice from a behavioral standpoint and making sure that your partner's love language is fed? And oftentimes we wanna, you know, I wanna put these boundaries up or I wanna put these walls up and we're so guarded because we're afraid to love. So my whole emphasis around yes is like, okay, let's push past past these boundaries. And if we believe that we can actually have what we want, what are we afraid of? We just have to step into our future self and go get it. Wow, communication—it's heavy. It's heavy, right? (laughs) That's
4: (laughs) a degree in communication, y'all. Communicate, because you girl can talk now. Now I know uh, I got—I at least got to bring this up. You know, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. Was named uh was elected uh, and so you now oh she getting ready oh
3: you well, just stop
4: dancing <laughs> oh, let me stop, let me stop, stop dancing <laughs> you know and uh and she she was a, uh she's a member of a, a sorority I think I think she's a member of a sorority that you are a member of so just talk about the the pride of being a the sisterhood of the AKAs and being her being a member of the AKR AKA sorority.
1: Absolutely, I think that um, it's very well known that right. We pride ourselves on you know high morals and ethical standards, and so being able to see you know us represented now, um, not just in the White House but also making history and also being you know connected to my sorority of Alpha Kappa Alpha, I have so much pride in the fact that like we did it right. And when I say we did it, as as a community. Um, as you know, Greek organizations all around. She represents all of us. I don't want to, you know, just exclude. She just happens to be, you know, an AKA the first and finest. Um, <laughs> but I take I take pride um, on behalf of all of my brothers and sisters when you know we see her up there, you know, on the podium. Or next to the president, knowing and understanding the responsibility that she has and knowing because her core values and what she stands for and what she believes in, that she's gonna make sure that she takes care of us and represents us, um, you know, to the best of her ability. So there's, you know, there, there was that moment when I cried mm-hmm. um, <laughs> when uh, she got elected but definitely, you know, was, was huge and excited when I even first heard that she was on the ballot, and then to see her make history on multiple things, on multiple levels, even you know, me being biracial, seeing a biracial woman up there, like, there's so many things that I connect with her on that, um, you're gonna get me emotional right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. But awesome. but just the joy in my heart, right, my spirit was uplifted and super excited for my future offspring to be able to see her in there, you know, and, and what she represents it means a lot to me and to my community
4: well you know uh um, you're in the money making money making conversation is business money and that is uh, but also you do a weekly uh oh, clubhouse you do a re- oh, free yeah. sessions you know so um, i just want to let everybody it, know, know you know you're you know you're willing to help people for free on clubhouse. <laughs> so talk about that and uh we'll wrap it up
1: yeah, so I love, um, I love clubhouse because it gives me an opportunity to give relationship advice weekly on Sundays. I usually hold a forum, uh, where I'm giving relationship coaching and giving spicy tips out there. It's not as full hands-on as of course my program or my e-course that I just rolled out, which is, um, six weeks that I'm doing, uh, giving the spicy relationship coaching and helping people attract their purpose mate. But it does provide an opportunity for these people to get a taste to fill up their cup, kind of like Sunday church. When I do my uh, clubhouse events, it gives people an opportunity to ask me questions and just get some clarity around what they may be experiencing. And then I also provide if they need to fill their love cup up even more so that they have an abundance to pour into others. I also provide my spicy life podcast podcast, where I'm also um, having guests come on and speaking to relationships on there as well, but getting to bounce off of other relationship experts. And each week I bring in someone different. So I'll do the same thing with the podcast as I do with the Clubhouse, where I'll sometimes bring different people on that I get to uh, interview and give relationship advice out.
4: She's the magnetic matchmaker and relationship expert. She's spicy body. Ah, Amadi. Cause I'm from Houston, Texas. That's how we do it down in Mex, you know. But again, I want to thank you for coming on the show, also for attending HBCU Spelman. That's always great to uh, acknowledge, aka Q Dog. Okay, over here, Frat, Okay, for doing my thing too. You know what I'm saying? But uh,
2: <laughs>
4: just stop, just stop, just stop. Again, I want to thank you for coming on Money Making Conference. You're fantastic. Again. Keep it in your, in your in your in your books keep me in your uh, thought process anytime you want to want to promote something drop your ebook drop skip drop your book uh, also drop your your, your, your e-line put it, let me put it in my money on my in my newsletter okay so we can get you out there because yeah, I also you so have a, a platform Appreciate HBCU awards I want to recognize you for being a, for attending the HBCU and also because thank we also you. recognize fraternities and sororities on my hBC platform but again you are amazing I'm so glad you took time to talk to me about your brand. And again, I'm a friend. And uh, again, thank goodness you look like a photo. That's all I got to say. Thank goodness you look like a photo. Again, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
4: If you want to hear or see any about Money Making Conversation interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.
6: In this season of giving, Kohl's has gifts for all your loved ones.
4: Your $25 gift today will help provide a life-saving food box to Jews in need. Be a blessing right now. Visit helpjewsnow.org. That's helpjewsnow.org.
2: What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.